This is the Off Grid Agris Podcast. This podcast is about sharing our journeys into liberty through self-sufficiency, off-grid living, non-compliance, counter-economics, and the Agora. Every episode will contain useful, practical, and applicable information you can use to gain the freedom you deserve. This information is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered legal or financial advice. You could even consider it to be fictional if you choose. Before we start the show, I want to remind you about The Hitching Post, our free bi-weekly newsletter all about liberty through self-sufficiency and counter-economics. To sign up, go to offgridagorist.com newsletter or click the link in the show notes. Thanks. Let's get on with the show. Go! All right. Let's go. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Off-Grid Agorist podcast. Today, we have a very special guest all the way from Ecuador, Kristen Crash. My Yay. real name. Yeah, my real name. I love name. that name. It is. When, yeah, uh, yeah. when we my started kind of talking with you. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, my dad was Polish, and the last name was like a Krishnazinski or something like that. So it got, you know, he cut it because nobody could spell it or pronounce it. So. Yeah, very common. Interesting. Now, when we started talking with you, I don't, <laughs> it was like, I don't know, a year ago or whatever. And I remember mm-hmm. I remember uh, telling Regina, I was like, man, that is such a cool name. Like, you sound like a, <laughs> a Marvel superhero. I love exactly. it. <laughs> Probably one of the bad guys, Kristen Crash. Yeah. <laughs> <Crash>. um, <laughs> <laughs> So, anti-hero. Yeah, that's my, my real that's name. what they call them. Hero, exactly. So, uh, today's okay. topic is um, expatriating and living off-grid abroad. So, essentially, Kristen, you have left America. You have expatriated into Ecuador. And uh, mm-hmm. it's very fascinating. I think a lot of us kind of daydream about it. And especially with all the massive government overreach going on and the extreme taxation a lot of us have been more seriously thinking about leaving the country and you actually pulled it off which is admirable yeah well you know i was probably for lack of better options but that's okay you know when you have to and that's one of my (laughs) i think i like to say a lot when you have to you can (laughs) a lot of life is Um, like that Kind of walk us through that process. Okay, so um, I'm I'm 47, and I've been here for uh, six years now, a little bit of six years. And uh, I was, you know, living in the United States, and the thing is, like, I had this, like, kind of weird past because I, I was very talented academically in school. And I guess everybody in my family thought I would go on to be a, a lawyer or a philosopher or a p- professor or something. And I, I considered all of those careers. And I was, you know, I was I was really like into maybe going to graduate school or going into law school or something like that. And 
And my first experience of, of actually knowing that I was going to be sort of like an outlier in American society for probably most of my life was I went to work at a big law firm in Washington, D.C. as an assistant. And uh, I lasted like, like eight months. I mean, I just could not do it. I mean, I could do the work like I could do intellectually. I could right. do the work, but I could not deal with just like the lack of consideration for anybody's health or well-being in this workplace i mean like the lawyers were on speed i mean it was like espresso and speed i mean people like 80 hour weeks i was working 80 hour weeks sleeping under a desk they bribe you to stay there all day you know like oh we're gonna get lunch okay we're gonna get dinner oh Oh, don't go that we'll call you a taxi you know and it was just brutal it was so brutal and i was just like i was like i'm gonna lose my mind this is just it's not for me and the only spot in my day was where I would get go down to the mail room and get the mail from the bike messengers. And this was back in the 90s. This was before the internet. So right. bike messenger business was huge. Like if you had to get something from point A to point B really fast, you nail that. You called a messenger. And I saw yeah. these messengers coming and they were all like in their 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 bike clothes and their big sunglasses and they had their walkie-talkies <laughs> and they just looked so cool. And they smelled like the outdoors. Like that was, I was like, oh, wow, the outdoors is. And so I started making conversations with these guys. And I was like, you know, uh, what's it like? Is that something that like a a woman could do? And they were like, yeah, there's like like, about 10 or 12, you know, female curry kick ass. Like you should come out and try it. And uh, I literally about a week later, I got out the door and I unhooked my bike from down in the parking garage to work. And I went over to one of the messenger services next door. And I, I got a job. And I never even picked up my last check. I thought it was just like, I'm so done wow. with this <laughs> life. Like, forever. <laughs> and wow. uh, I worked as a bike courier for about five years. And it was one of the best times. I mean, just one of the freest and, like, best times in my life. This was, like, the early 90s or late, early 90s. And uh, cash was flowing in the economy, and it was kind of like a really freewheeling time to live. D.C. had it. My city where I lived in D.C. It hadn't gentrified yet, so it had a really cool, like, underground art scene. And I uh, was part of that. Like, the punk music scene and everything was really blossoming, and, and it was fabulous. And then uh, wow. I moved to Chicago uh, a little while later, and then I went back to D.C., and the city had completely changed. It had gentrified. There were like the whole lack of like the racial diversity was on. There were all these rich people with golden retrievers and iPhones running around. And it was the rent had tripled. And I was just like, there was whole foods, you know. And I was like, what yeah. the hell? I like grungy, That's like the you know, biggest flag. Yeah. yeah, it was like, well, yeah. I was actually, I went back to my old <laughs> that Whole Foods comes in. And I, it was like, yeah, and it was known for being kind of like the transgender prostitutes hung out in their like really fabulous outfits, purple velvet and big wigs and everything. And they were all, and there was a Whole Foods. Aww. And I was like, okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. My city's over. It. So the at transgender that point, I was teaching gone. yoga. <laughs> yeah, when they're gone, uh, <laughs> like, it's over. You know? It's over. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah. it's over. So I was working as a as a personal trainer and a yoga teacher at that time. Two more kind of like outlier style jobs, you know. And yes. uh, and it just I was doing well with that. 
started getting like harder where I felt like I didn't really feel like the government was controlling me in this like manipulative way. I just felt like the American dream for me was over, like it canceled. I, I couldn't get ahead. And not only could I not not get ahead, I I went from like to treading water to feeling like I was up to here where I was working. I was at this point, I was 40 and I was harder than I had ever worked in my entire just to pay rent and pay for food. Where when I was in my early yeah. 20s, I actually had like a savings account, you know, and so, so I was just like, well, looking for a way out. So I, uh, I had friends who had gone, who had waited that had gone on sands, Colombia, Costa Rica, and they were teaching yoga and they were doing pretty well. So I got in touch with them, had some invites to go check out some different places at this guy guy that I'm here with, Juan, who's here with me, sitting here, but um, he talks less than Cyrus, <laughs> just so you know, so in our relationship, I mean, it's like a 95.5%, so uh, he's here, but he's quietly listening, and uh, I met Juan, and uh, he told me that he's from Ecuador, and he told me, uh, I you, you know, but I really want to have a relationship with you, because I want to go back to my country, I want to Ecuador, I want to be closer to my family in the United States for up to 20 years at that point. And he was tired of it too. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm kind of like trying to get out of this country anyway. So maybe I can go with you to Ecuador. So we, I kind of signed my up to come back to uh, Ecuador with Juan. <laughs> and uh, that's how we ended up here. That was how we ended up making. Um, wow. So yeah, we were same place. We were both like, we can't we can't get ahead in this economy anymore you know there used to be i felt like in the late 80s and early 90s the american economy there was a lot more room you were living more a little bit on the outskirts of teaching yoga being a fitness trainer being a bike messenger a tattoo artist a bartender whatever you have like you were you were able to make it and you actually because you were earning cash you were able to stash some of that away and then as like city gentrified and more and more condos went up and more and more Whole Foods went in and things just got more and more expensive, people like me just started to get kind of like, poor. so that was really right. like the main reason why I wanted to leave, you know, because I just felt like um, the consumerism, I feel, control people in the United States like the, and the consumer culture. And it kind of like right. keeps everybody where they're so busy work to afford their expensive lifestyles. And they're so busy out like consuming things when they're not working. Really have time to really the bigger picture and see what's going on. So it's like the U.S. government, like they don't have to be like North Korea where they control people with the military. They just can control people by basically making sure they work the perfect number of hours a week. And I actually read some really good uh, economists several years ago that they determined that the 40 hour work week is the actual, is the perfect amount of time to keep people at work so that all they have left for after their work week is to go out and buy things. Because if you make people work more than that, they don't have time to go out and consume. But if them just yeah. enough leisure time, 
but not enough time to actually pursue anything intellectual, like maybe learn another language or learn how to do things. They just have just enough time at the end of the day to go to the gym, which is consuming, go out to eat, which is consuming, go to happy hour, which is consuming, and go home and buy crap on Amazon. And that's like right. kind of the day, you know what I mean? And then you, right. and you do the same thing. So it's like, it's, it's just enough. And they figure that out. Make people work more than 40 to 50 weeks because then they can be good consumers. You know? So, is so it's like right. they really got like a really, like a subtle means of control going on is how I see it to get away from that. I wanted to get away from the consumer, the materialism, having to spend money on everything. So that was what really scales to come out here. Is there Amazon yeah. Ecuador? EcuadorAmazon.com. No. 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 I think there is. Sure. But where we live, I mean, my, my address is a kilometer mile marker. I'm at like kilometer tour on <laughs> one in between this village and that village. So Amazon isn't coming out here, and that's okay with it. Wow, um, no Amazon shopping. So that's like a huge lifestyle <laughs> shocker for most Americans. Holy crap. Yeah. Holy crap. Right? Yeah, for so, sure. Um, so basically your American dream. That was what we, got, how we made the decision. Yeah. Your American dream. Yeah. Dissipated. Got bursted. Just kind of like Peter. Freedom was. Yeah. Freedom wasn't uh, free when you're working 80 hours a week. In a law firm. Exactly. 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 So, Matt, so <clears throat> go ahead. So now you're in Ecuador and you're basically in the jungle, like for real. It's like the for real jungle. Wait. <laughs> for real. Yeah. Wait, wait. Let, let me that? interrupt before we go that far because I got a couple mm -hmm. of questions before we get to that part in the sure. story. So you've made the decision to leave the United States and chosen Ecuador I have a couple of questions. One, how difficult of a thing to do is that? Like, I don't, I don't even know what the process would be. Holy crap. Number yeah. one, the legal process, like how difficult is that? What kinds of things does some need to prepare to do? And then two, uh -huh. uh, how hard is it to do just illegally? And I ask that because uh, uh, it's, you know, some people some people don't have passports and can't get passports. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have a passport. Um, I have been like literally probably working on my residency status since I've been. I'm not like super concerned about it, to be honest. Um, it's easy for people. If you have a lot of money, it's easy because you can just put you can put forty thousand dollars in a CD in an Ecuadorian bank and that that uh, that that pretty much like qualifies you to our citizenship here for a permanent residency right away. Um, I didn't have forty thousand. Wow. So you can just that's buy very it. Low. Uh, that's very low though. A yeah, lot you of can countries it's like five hundred thousand, one million. Yeah. 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 So forty thousand dollars, which you know, I don't have I didn't have Oh, hold on one second. Babe, can you turn off for me? You did? Okay. Um, sorry, I was baking bread. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and um, bread. so, yeah, so it's, it's, 
it's very it's easy to to slip through but it, it also depends on how you want to live um so that's kind of like another chink in the puzzle is we decided when we first decided to move here we didn't really know what we were going to do and we had the idea of maybe like opening like maybe uh in a more area having like a little restaurant cafe maybe i could teach some yoga classes and something a little bit closer to living in the united United States or living in society and then uh, Juan was watching a lot of shows on TV like off-grid shows like the Alaskan bush people and live free or die and there's all these reality shows that were popular about eight years ago about getting off the grid and you know Juan opened the car and he said you know if we're gonna go to another country and we're gonna change our life I want to do something Something that's more like where we're really going to fish it, where we really go and like make our way, maybe have a piece of land, you know, build a house, like just be be away from all of this skill, not in a half-assed way, but like all the way. And the way. I was on board. I was like, yeah, let's let's go. Like, let's let's do that. That sounds like that sounds like even a better idea. <laughs> so yeah. Um, awesome. So we started doing pretty heavy research, like when our last couple months in the states, uh, we went and we we did some uh, off building. Uh, we met a couple that was building a, a cob house, like basically like an house out in the country in Maryland. And uh, we went out there and we learned how to do Adobe. We learned how to plaster it. We learned how to floor. And um, they were super cool people. And that was also really influential to us because those their names were uh, uh rob and sarah and uh they were you know i think to go off grid and live in the country and live in a mud house to be a little bit weird but they weren't too weird <laughs> they weren't all like love yeah. and peace and like with flowers in their hair and like like they weren't goofy weird outside the system weird. and that really yeah. impressed us because it was like yeah these people are they want to work hard. They want to make something for themselves. They're not just out doing nothing, howling at the moon, rewild, whatever that means. You know, they're really building something. <laughs> and so it, it, it gave us, like, people to, to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know what that is, but I can um, imagine what I've, it I've is. I've heard that term, yeah. I've never heard it. Yeah, like, so rewilding is interesting. It's It's a trend now, but it's... It started off as a land concept, like and rewild. There's a way to return. But now people yeah. have actually the term rewilding and put like a trademark after it and and made it about more like eating organic food, doing pull-ups, uh, doing natural exercise, drinking spring water, going on and it's it's just become another like of material, you know, term. So I kind of make I fun, see. but um, okay. yeah, yeah. But anyway, so kind of ridiculous. So yeah, so we decided like a, a yuppie kind of thing. Totally. Rewild yourself. And colonialist thinking because it's that people that aren't in the first world are wild, which they're not. You know what I mean? Right. Like and they have systems that work <laughs> for them that are sophisticated call them wild you know what i mean like wild is like primitive and let's be careful with words you know <laughs> right so yeah um, yeah i get yeah. that so then yeah so when we got here uh we got a little land it's three hectares which is about eight acres 
dollars, uh, very cheap, very affordable, uh, under twenty thousand. And um, you know, we're out. We're really out in the middle nowhere. So there's nobody like checking on anything. There's no building codes. Um, you don't have to do anything a certain way. Uh, the government is way too involved in just trying to keep people housed and fed care. Then they're not out here like check types we have or what kind of walls we have or anything. So we were able to come out here and basically yeah. just do exactly what we. Yeah, it's very like like live free or die. You know, that's the that's the ethic here. So especially out here wow. in the country. Um, awesome. So it depends on how you want to do it. Now I have a friend. Uh, he does some tech assistant work for me on, on automating on automating some things on our. He was a coder for Google, and uh, he just moved here to Equity Trading. But he's much more. Oh, he's wow. living in Quito. He has a job with Wikipedia. He's much more concerned with the whole like legality of it because he's basically not accustomed like an outlier like me. So you can do both right. ways. Yeah. And he, he came and he put $40,000 in the bank and got his CD. And now he's, you know, going through the whole process. He's his like permanent resident and everything on time. And nice. no, like that's great. So he's also having a pretty easy time of it. So it really just depends on how you want to do it. How much money yeah. you spend, if you want to hire, you know, or if you just kind of want to come in and be under the radar. So, yeah. Yeah. So you could, if someone wanted to, um, if you smuggled yourself there completely <laughs> under the radar, <laughs> which I have no idea how you would do that. Uh, but I don't know I, how you would do that either. <laughs> you could do that, right? Like you could live there just under the radar, kind of like how um, immigrants come here yeah. under the radar without going through the system. They're, they're able to live here. I exactly. mean, exactly. You know, they have to be careful and things like that. But exactly. yeah, okay. Exactly. So there's not yeah. uh, people out hunting illegal immigrants to deport them. And, you know, the thing is, what I'm doing okay. is I'm basically, I'm, I'm accumulating evidence that I have a business here, that I'm, I'm contributing to the economy. And when I get to a point, it's like, I, we're, we're actually thinking of um, investors coming into our actually sold uh, a couple of uh, sell, but we helped to broker the deal of several lots adjacent to our property for Americans and Canadians. And now what we're doing is we're in the process of forming like a foundation, like a, con a conservation foundation. And once we do that, then I will actually have like a job, like a real position as like a, as a board member of this nonprofit foundation. Then I can apply for my residency. So there's lots of different ways to do it. Yeah. It's just that coming in, okay. as I did, I didn't qualify. I wasn't a missionary, which for some reason they qualify, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and I didn't have a force to put in the bank. And, you know, so I didn't really, I didn't fall under any of those types of qualifications. Right. Now that I've been here, like, I will be able to qualify, like, as, as a board member of this foundation. So you can, you can come in and you can work your way to being a resident, just like in the United States. You know, like some people, they immigrate illegally, okay. but then they get, they'll get like a sponsor, like a visa sponsor, and then they're able to like work towards their Greek get deported in the meantime. So I'm kind of like, I'm more in that yeah. phase where it's like, I've got 
got some okay. papers filed and I'm worried, but it's just going to take more time because I don't, I didn't have all the money up front. There's, there's different gotcha. ways to go about it, you know, but, but you can, okay. you can come in and you can live here and, you know, start making, and I'll tell you that's really nice about, I mean, you guys are super into crypto and everything, but living in Ecuador is kind of like going back in time to like the eighties right. in the United States where it's a, it's a cash, it's a cash economy. It's like everything is just paper right. money, mm-hmm. totally anonymous. You know, have people oh, that yeah. work for work right. for right. other people and you just get paid in cash and that's it, you know? So it's like, it's, it's yeah. e- easier to live here in that, that fluid, freer way because like no, your money doesn't have yeah. to go through the system all the time, even though it's cash and it's just right. paper right. and it's fiat and whatever. But at least it's just kind of like, yeah, you're just paying people and they're paying you. You go to the store and you get what you need. So, um, Interesting. That's awesome. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like going back. And I'm 47. So like I, this whole thing with like Venmo and Cash App and banks and everything through some sort of like system and be tracked. Like it was, I grew up before all this happened. Like you, like to me, this is like going back to my childhood, early adulthood, you know, whereas like right. when yeah. the Gen Zers come here, like I have to show them, they have no idea. They're like, what is this? Oh, wow. I'm like, it's paper money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're training us to get off the paper money. Yeah, exactly. So, you so know, um, I want to yeah. talk about your uh, website really quick. SDV Forest, Sam Delta Victor Forest.com. SDV Forest. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. I'm very impressed. Luke did a Thank really you. good job with your website. It's a beautiful website. Yeah, and he does the design and I write all the content. Yeah, it's great. Um, you've Thanks. got a lot of things on there. You've got your, uh, you actually have kind of a, a system where people go into your property and teach you or teach people how to build mud huts and, and do the permaculture thing. Because that's really what you're doing is like the permaculture food forest thing. Right. And you have like a right. a rate of tables exactly. where people can stay on your property. And I saw that you can go stay on your property and be housed and fed for 500 bucks mm-hmm. a month, which is yeah. half of reasonable, what a, a third or a quarter <laughs> of what it's costing in America to live. I could literally come onto mm-hmm. your property. You can teach me all kinds of cool stuff and feed me and house me for $500. <laughs> Yes, I that was and really you cool. will do some work in return, for, you know, for yeah. your for your yeah. cheap home. Yeah, but it's five hundred dollars yeah, plus very, labor. Yeah. Plus labor, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, if order a five-hour day, you know, and you're learning, and it's constructive, and you're, you're not, you know, you're not digging trenches. You know what I mean? Where you're pruning trees, and you're learning about how to feed the soil, and you're learning about mold and you know so it's your mud I mean so it's it's not like we're not putting people to work like like a like a like a gang like a work gang you know um but yeah sure, you, you also you help us out you know you help us out yeah. in the kitchen chopping vegetables washing dishes getting stuff done you know so yeah it's kind of a work trade situation 
Yeah, it's kind of like an apprenticeship. Uh, I, I think those are the best ways to learn, honestly. Right. As, as opposed to we call it, apprenticeship. sitting in a classroom. Yeah. I think that's yeah, great. Learn and then you by also doing have your, yeah. mm -hmm. you also have your uh, cacao forest. And so you are uh, generating an income by selling your cacao uh, in a yeah, subscription cacao, model, I believe. Cacao. Cacao. Mm -hmm. Cacao. I sound like a yeah. freaking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> she said, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you do. Cacao. So, like crack. It's like crack. Cacao. Uh, so that's pretty fascinating, too. Um, and how long did it take for yeah. those uh, cacao yeah. trees to grow? Uh, they take about, about three to four years to begin thing uh, where, you know, you have, wow. have a substantial amount. We're lucky because... Part of the land that already had cacao on, um, but, but it was in monoculture nice. farm, which is where you know, like it's just all one kind of thing, like a wheat farm or a corn farm. So because we do it is like permaculture, but with trees, um, we've diversified it and we've mixed it up and made it like more forest style farm, and it's actually interesting, more productive by doing that. I bet. And Mm -hmm. And uh, now I've got a, a couple from the local village that they come and they work for me. They help me to harvest. They help me to process the beans. And they're fascinated because they're like, you know, they're my patrona, which is hilarious, which kind of means like big, big boss, you know, <laughs> hysterical. Right. But like, yeah, patrona, like, uh, it's really cool because your cacao is, is you have so much cacao, they cacao, they say you have so much cacao the other farms that we see and you're not using any uh any, any chemicals you're not using her the herbicida you're not using the, the the chemical fertilizers like and i say yeah because like grow bananas trees alongside the cacao and then we slash the leaves from the banana trees and we put them on the ground and it makes a very nutritious mulch for the cacao and it also suppresses the weeds so exactly hmm would do on a small style garden with mulch we do on a really big scale with the leaves and putting them on the ground wow. around the cacao trees and it both suppresses the weeds and it feeds the feeds the microbes in the soil which then feed the cacao tree so we do everything you know very like organically and permaculture style but in a way that also makes our our forest more productive uh, right now we're averaging at about 30% more productive than that the national average on our variety of cacao, which is substantial, 30 to 40% oh, wow. more. That's um, huge. Yeah, that's a yeah. big number. Yeah. That's it's a big number. Yeah, it's huge. Without mm -hmm. chemicals, you know. So, you know, I pay our costs work out about the same because I'm paying the kids more hands-on labor, but I'm not paying for the chemicals. And it right. was funny because right. when the kids like, Patrona, how come you don't use these chemicals? And I was like, well, okay, I can go to the store and buy chemicals and you can leave. Yeah. Like, or do you want to have a job? <laughs> they were like, oh, no, 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 we right. love our job. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, and I was I like, I would do. rather pay you, you know, to do the hands of sure. work instead of coming in spraying that, that, that the trees, you know? So, right. so yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it took a while. Um, our, the first three years we were here was really hard. Cyrus, I was living in a tent before you were building a shed, mm -hmm. and uh, you lived in a mm -hmm. tent for a couple of weeks. We lived in a tent months. 
Um, oh my goodness! And it was kind of like shed for a couple of years. How long were you in that couple shed? Couple years. Well, we- the shed, couple of years. Yeah. Oh, but then yeah, the tent. The tent was pre-shed. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got to get my history yeah. straight here. So we were. That's okay. Well, I mean, when you live you like in the that tent for five for months. A- yeah. That's a long time. We were very ambitious. Time to be in a tent. The thing is, we were, we kind of made a mistake. I'll tell you, we we were very ambitious with our building. We wanted to build basically like a whole compound, like a whole center, you know? And so we plugged out four buildings. And we were like, okay, like we, we put in like rubble foundations. We dug out trenches with foundations. We were building everything with uh, super adobe earth bags, which is where you, you pack grain sacks really hard with mud and then let them hard into giant brick and uh we had some volunteers come and we were building up and everything was going great and you know we we just we really you know how it is like what do they say everything takes three times as long and costs three times as much right so we vastly underrated the amount of time it would take us build these buildings and in the meantime we were in the tent if we would have been a little bit wiser and this was probably mostly my fault i'm like the big thinker uh, and just built one house, we wouldn't have been in the tent mm-hmm. for four months, for five months. Yeah. We tried yeah. to build four, right. you know, four structures all at the same time. We ended up being in the tent for quite some time. And uh, the rainy season was, and we were in the tent, and it was, you know, it was a big tent. It was a five-person tent. It was a comfortable tent. But, I mean, just from being out there in the sun and the rain and the sun and the oh. rain, the walls started to get thin. One day, the dogs just, like, ran through it. <laughs> They just like, oh like my goodness. barreled like right through the, you know, <laughs> and then we put like a tarp over it. Oh my god! And uh, yeah, wow. so when we when 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 one got up on the first structure that was the most complete one, and we slept under a roof for the first time. I mean, the feeling was like you no, know, the feeling right. of like. You know, like, oh, and, and it was just basically like a shell. It was just like a cob adobe, you know, shell around us with bamboo poles and a roof on it, like a gazebo. Like, basically, we were sleeping inside of a gazebo. Yeah. And we felt like we were yeah. inside of, like, the best place ever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I bet. Well, it, it's really interesting when you put yourself in that kind of a situation and you go through something like that. Your perspective changes so much. And at the time that you are having this new, uh, this change in perspective, you don't realize it's happening yet. You don't realize it until, right. like you say, but, you know, I've talked about on our show a lot of times how just the, the smallest uh, increase in luxury was huge. Every time we would make one little achievement, exactly. it was a massive kind of thing. Like, you know, when you go from bathing in a five gallon bucket to having a bathtub it's a big deal you know and it's those kinds of things that your your perspective changed and you didn't even realize it and right uh, you know you were talking about at the beginning of the show how how america is so consumerism based uh for an american to go through that i think is even more more, uh, I don't, I don't want to say life changing. Maybe that's, you know, that might be a little too dramatic, but that shift in perspective is a really big thing. It's extreme. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we we have Definitely. a freshwater spring. We're very fortunate. I mean, to have, we have fresh water on the property, which is really important. And uh, we bathed in the spring, like for almost a year. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and then when 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 we hooked up the shower, and I didn't mind going down to the spring. I mean, if I'm going to bathe in a spring or a cold shower, like I don't really care because either both are cold, right? But then when we hooked up a little propane <laughs> water heater, oh my god, I. Was, I was oh, like, yeah. wow, <laughs> like hot water. <laughs> yeah. So amazing, you know? And um, also, yeah. like, eating what's available is really a big part. It's like we grow a lot of our food. We grow bananas, plantains, yucca root, which are like potatoes. We grow sweet potatoes, uh, taro, which is like another very nutritious root vegetable. And we have a fish pond and uh, we have chickens for eggs. And, you know, we're, we're at the point now where more, more and more of the fruit trees that we planted are to harvest different fruits. We have like a lot of exotic tropical fruits. We have papaya, pineapple, ones that you guys wow. really, like part of when they're from outside South America. And but the fruit, when the fruit comes in, it kind of like all comes in. Like we just had a big right. bumper crop of papaya. So we ate papaya for like three weeks. And then we had a bumper crop of yeah. another fruit called arasa, which is kind of like a mango. So we ate that. And like when, you know, when we go to the, the produce markets in town, also, they are just full of whatever is in season. And I think yeah. that that's like a really important shift mentally to make also is like to eat what's mm -hmm. locally available and what's in season because it's more nutritious. It hasn't didn't sit on a truck for a year to get to you. And, you know, right. it's better for you. It's better for the planet. There's not, you know, and, and sometimes like when the Americans, like I'm, I'm American, but at this point I consider myself kind of like not in that mindset. You know, friends come down to visit some people and they help us out. But they'll like tell me things like, you know, we'll, we'll have like massive amount of bananas. We'll have like six bunches of bananas hanging up and each bunch has like a hundred bananas on it. And there's. Wow. sweet and creamy and delicious and they they make bananas in the united states just like taste terrible and they'll be like eat yeah, those right now because i'm watching my carbs yeah i'm watching my carbs they're like i'm doing the keto diet so i can't and i'm like yeah. oh my god like, who comes to south america and doesn't eat bananas like you know and it, <laughs> it's, it's just a mindset of like everything being yeah. available in the stores all the time and always have like a hundred percent choice across the board of whatever you're going to eat and not even realizing how much privilege that, that encompasses to choose type of calorie over yeah, it's enough. crazy <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not crazy. realistic and you know i'm like we still go to the grocery store and buy things that i don't even i don't even know where they're grown you know what I mean? Like I can buy avocado right. all year long. I don't even, I don't know where they're grown at, you know, they, and right. there's a little bit of guilt associated with that, but I don't know how to grow an avocado and I don't even know if it would work here. So I, just it little wouldn't. examples like that. And yeah, I don't think it would. I mean, we'd never. It's a good point. Right. It's a good I point. mean, our it's goal is not hundred percent self-sufficiency. Yeah. Yeah. We're not here to yeah. be a hundred percent self-sufficient, but to really thrive on what thrives here, you know, go to the store and like I buy, I buy panela, which is like a molasses brown sugar. We buy coffee. 
Um, you know, I have things. We buy patch things. We buy rice, you know. Um, but when it comes to, like, mm -hmm. fresh produce, we really, like, we don't even have to make an effort because that's what's available. It's, like, it's just so yeah. easier right. and, and better tasting to just eat what's available, you know. Um, and there's a lot of things because we're in the trucks that we can't grow here. Like, we can't grow lead cabbage because those are cooler weather crops you know and like there's a the heat and the humidity here just doesn't they don't those things don't work here we've learned how to grow other types of greens like other things that that do survive here so a lot's like learning more about your climate and your environment and i think also that's like something that living in a tent for five months like if you're you're and even where we live, like our house, we just have screens. Like we don't have windows that close. And we have huge open windows with just like nets. So it's very like sort of indoor, outdoor. We're never really completely cool. cut off from the outside. And it just makes that porous, like where it's a thinner, porous feeling between you and the outdoors. So it's like you always know what's going on. And it, it just makes you feel your relationship with nature is one of like respect and cohabitation. I guess that's the best way to put Amazing. it. Where it's like you're cohabitating with everything around you, you know? And, you know, like Juan, he's very, he loves the birds. I love the birds too. But like there's a hummingbird that builds a nest in one of our little trees. He'll make an umbrella out of leaves, you know, so that the nest doesn't <laughs> And we... Aww. You know, we notice like that because we're we're very right. much being all hippy dippy, lovey dovey, like ridiculous about it. Very much in touch with the outdoors and what's going Isn't around that us, beautiful. and that makes us be like, like hmm, can I eat this? You know what I mean? So right, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. You're much more so, open to experimenting. Yeah, go ahead. So I have a question. Um, do you pay taxes to the U.S. government? I do not. As a U.S. No. citizen. Okay. Because the USA is one of the only countries that if a person leaves America, they still want right. you to pay your taxes, which is totally insane to me. And I'm just <laughs> curious crazy. as to, uh, so you've managed to not, you've managed to skirt the U.S. tax system on even though you're abroad and they still want you to do that. You've never been contacted or audited or I anything mean, like that. Yeah, I mean, let me put it this way. I pay taxes, but like, I, have to, I pay taxes on income that's generated through the website because I'm incorporated as an LLC in the United States. But I personally I don't. Yeah, yeah, I personally don't pay those taxes. And I'm able to keep that income like i'm very careful how much money i bring in through my, my website you know yeah. what i mean like i'm keep i keep it like just like under that level a lot of times where you don't even have to pay taxes i think if it's under six thousand dollars a year mm -hmm. um so you know but when it does when it goes over last year it did go over like it goes into like an LLC fund, a limited limit, limited liability corporation fund. And then I have a partner with that in the US where we work it out where it's like, I basically will send invoices from Ecuador, 
like for all the eyes and everything that I send for the cacao, for the herbs and spices that we sell. And I will invoice that thing down until there's right. nothing left in it to tax. Exactly. So right. I'm That's still working. Too. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, yeah. But I'm doing it in a way, you know, that makes uh, sense. where it's like, oh, look, this year my taxes were $132. Fine with the IRS. Right. It's better to send them something. Just send them something. And like they're, when they see that you're either an LLC or an independent contractor and you've actually sent them a check, they, they pretty much leave you alone. You know right, what I mean? Like sense. they're not, don't file. And when you don't send them anything that you get in trouble. Uh-oh. Um, so I've kind of like this way to be, be part about it because I don't want to get, I don't want to get in trouble. And I certainly anybody else in trouble on my behalf um right so right well how, and everybody has to make their own decisions that. about what they want to do that yeah like we've talked about it on this show before it's a it's a game of cat and mouse uh oh i disappeared oh what happened uh, didn't i didn't disappear regina, <laughs> okay. disappeared. regina disappeared for a bit having technical difficulties yeah can but you it's can you hear me I can't. I can't. Uh, I'll be back. Okay. okay. But the, it is like a game of cat and mouse and you want to play it as smart as you can. And, you know, everyone is, has a different level of risk that they're willing to tolerate. And so no one person can give another person advice on exactly how they should do anything in that regard, because everyone's different. Everyone's situation is different. Everyone's right. risk tolerance is different. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, also, like, too, since I've been here, I've, you know, I think the thing is, like, when you live in the United States and if you feel like sort of this oppression of the system, like, you know, your, your view becomes darkened by that, right? And now, like, I've been here for six years and my, I'm offline most of the time. I got to tell you guys, like I, we have metered internet. It's pretty expensive. Um, we didn't even have, have internet for three years out here. And I got, felt, got like this great in my mind from being offline, you know, for a long time and do have internet because yeah. I need it for my business. Like we get, we get basically get free internet between six and eight AM in the morning. And that's when I'm online for two hours a day. And then like, that's it. And the, yeah. the, not being online a lot, also just being in nature and seeing the effects of like the permaculture practices that we're doing on the land take effect. It's made my worldview like much more, but you know, like it's given me yeah. a little bit more of a positive outlook because see that I can do something with soil and I can see the health of the plants improving and I can see trees growing growing and animals weren't there before and it it makes me feel like i want to share you know i'm gonna be completely cut off i don't want to just be a bush person like i want to share and yeah in order to share like things like becoming a foundation like working a little bit in the system like on a voluntary basis as much as i can is becoming a little bit more okay I'm I'm willing like whereas like six years ago I just wanted out because my worldview was yeah. like darker now my worldview is a little bit more positive online and on the few hours that I'm online every day I'm starting I meet people in Australia doing prayer I meet people in in, in 
in Brazil doing agroforestry. And I, I want to talk to these people and I want to join forces with them. And I'm actually in the process of like building a library and doing a lot of things. So I don't really like, I'm not at the point anymore where I want to completely disappear. So I know like I did right. before, like now I'm like, okay, I, I'd love some visibility. So it's kind of like this cat and mouse game of like walking the line of like maintaining some sort of legal entity among around myself. So if I want to form a nonprofit, like I can, and also like staying enough under our, that I'm not paying out, you know, 10 grand a year in taxes to the United States. So it's, it's like a, right. it's a balancing act and I'm mm -hmm. trying to figure it out and find my place in it while I'm doing like, so that's really my assessment of that. But definitely these days I feel a little more like positive overall about everything, meeting people, connecting with people. And like, I don't, I don't want, want to be completely under them like I did before. So I'm kind of like resurfacing in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Right. So that's, that's sort of my, it's, it's about risk, but it's also about need to also just be a little bit above above board if you want to be an advocate for the environment if you want to get for permaculture and agroforestry and you want to talk to other people that are you know talking to other organizations and you want to network like kind of, i don't know it's like keeping myself and i've never been in this position i've always been like the outlier under the radar and now i'm kind of like maybe I'll, i know hide so now let me see if yeah. i had to hide and you know what i mean <laughs> right. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm yeah, trying to figure it sense. out while I'm doing it. Oh. Okay. Right. You know? yeah. So what are the taxes? Uh, what do Ecuadorian taxes look like? Do you pay taxes to the Ecuador government? Uh, the only thing we pay taxes on is property, which is extremely low. It is 1% of the, uh, what wow. is called the rural assessed value of your property which is not the, that's not the price that you bought it for. That's the commercial sale price. The rural assessed value of your property is if you have a rural property, it's in the absolute lowest tax bracket because there, that you don't have grid water or grid electricity. And as long as you mm -hmm. don't put yourself on electricity or grid water, where you're, then you're considered an urbanized property, you pay 1% of the rural assessed value which I'll tell you, the rural assessed value of our land of eight acres is only $7,900. So our property taxes wow. are $79 a year. Wow. So nice. That's not bad. And that's the only tax. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. The so tax. when is you. Sales tax? Uh, well, of course. We go to the store and buy something and we pay sales tax, but it's okay. only. Uh, okay. What's tax here? Services? Yeah. Basically, services are. Or what's taxed like oh, what's on okay. there's there's, there's not, yeah there's not or, or let's see well hardware things are taxed like tools and things like that are taxed but like food and pharmacy is not taxed so i guess something that the government works out here that like basically like your bare essentials are don't have a don't have but everything else does luxury goods yeah. tools services are taxed but food and drugs are not taxed um, Do you know what the so, tax rate yeah, that's is? That's pretty much the it. Sales tax. I have no idea. Yeah, it's yeah, high. No so it must be pretty like nominal. 
No, oh, okay. I, I think it's high. Okay, that's interesting. It yeah, is yeah. high. Okay. Yeah, it's high. Yeah. Um, and we spent we spent money on that kind of stuff in like the first year we were here, obviously, because we had to buy tanks, water tanks to pump water into, a pump, uh, a generator, hoses. Um, a lot of the, the building supplies we got lo locally. We just got like local wood from local carpenters. So we were able to pay. We got bamboo. Um, we made a lot of things. We obviously made walls out of mud. So we didn't pay on that. So our our days of paying sales are like kind of almost over in a lot of ways. Because wow. the only things we're like nice. the food that we don't grow, you know, and like things at the pharmacy. Um, and that's pretty much it. We we I think Juan like the other day he bought a tool for the water heater, but I mean we rarely go into the hardware store anymore. So, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's good. Cool. I, yeah, I feel like we Yeah, it was all front loaded, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's how yeah. off grid yeah. going off grid usually is. Yeah. Very front loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Oh my god! If you guys would ask me to do this podcast like four years ago, I would have been like, "No, I work all the time. I got to get up at seven to like build a wall." You know what I mean? Now I get up, I bed, I feed my chickens. You know, sometimes I go for a walk. Like it's it's really hard. It's really hard in the beginning. I will tell people that like mm -hmm. in the first year or two is tough. But it gets yeah, progressively right. easier. It gets progressively cheaper, and it gets progressively more and more fun, too. Right? I mean, it gets like where you you can enjoy, you know. Yeah. Um, right. Also, the that. land we yeah the land we bought was pretty degraded. It was it had been logged about thirty or forty years ago, and it had been just turned into like a cattle pasture. It was very muddy, and there were no trees mm -hmm. on it. It was just like a you know like like what they do in Brazil where they just like cut down the rainforest and put cows in that's what the land that we bought had happened to the land which is one of the reasons why it was cheap but uh but we so we were really starting in terms of like planting fruit trees we were really starting to grow. and uh, luckily we're in the subtropics where things grow you know quickly so now we have like lemons limes oranges pineapples wow. papaya cacao Lots of different uh, herb ices. We have lemongrass, mint, tropical basil, cinnamon. Uh, we have some wow. nutmeg trees coming in. We have cardamom, turmeric, ginger. Uh, yeah. So we now now we're we feel like we're living not just like with hot, hot water, but like we also have a lot of different you know foods to choose from. Which in the beginning buying food, um, but now we we still right. buy food, but we buy a lot less food. Um, so that's pretty much the trajectory of that so far. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That sounds really nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? Um, so for the people that are watching um, that are interested in any of the things that you're doing, um, you know, where, where should they start? Where, if they go to your website, which button should they push that just is probably the best place to begin? Yeah. Uh, so from the homepage, uh, they should definitely ch check out. Well, well, I think for the people that are watching for this particular, uh, in my blog, I have a section called DIY Living. And there's a bunch of articles that I've written in the DIY Living uh, section that are more geared towards people back in the States or more in temperate climates. 
where I talk a lot about permaculture techniques, but home, you know, like in a home, in a home size garden. Um, yeah. So you can start mm -hmm. there DIY living. There's also some good videos in the DIY living on building with mud and uh, making paint out of clay. Um, I'm going to, I want to put, I definitely want to put up a video about our water system because I think our water system is, it's very simple, but it's very ingenious and it works really well. And uh, so definitely for the people that are watching this, if they're more into like the, the off grid living, I'd go to DIY living and, and then I would go over to my, our YouTube channel because uh, on the YouTube channel, they could actually, or in the tropics, there's the principles are all exactly the same. So if you're talking about like building up soil and your garden, like the things we do here, it's exactly the same as you would do in Arkansas. It's just different plants, you know, different types of plants, different climate principles are the same. That's really the important thing, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, then if people, you know, if people really, if they get it, if they read all the articles and they watch the videos and then there's something that they want to, they want to do, they don't want to come to Ecuador. I mean, they're welcome to come to our press or one of the courses that I offer, but I would advise them to look for something local, like go on a workaway platform or just, you know, search area, like a natural building workshop or something like that, or mud building workshop. And they're all over in the United States, especially close to you, Regina, in Naco. There's a there's a huge community yeah. of natural builders in New Mexico. And these people oh, are always time. looking for help. And they're all looking for true. volunteers to come. And they're always like trying to make money by running courses and running workshops. So that's what I would advise. I would advise Very cool. find somebody who's doing what you're doing in your area. And see if you can stay with them for two weeks or a weekend at a time or whatever. And learn what you can actually getting your hands the dirt or on the building material or whatever it is learn from people around you that are already doing it. that's you know you can spend yeah. all day watching youtube videos and reading blog posts and it's great it gives you like a great background but if you're actually gonna mm -hmm. it's really good to have some hands-on practice you know yeah. at first be much right one and i some people go crazy right and they will spend thousands of dollars on these workshops it's totally unnecessary you know go go two or three times Find people that are really just looking for volunteers that aren't like a whole lot of money, or maybe they'll just charge you for the food and something for the instruction. But some people are making like a real high end business out of this. You oh, to come yeah. and work for them. And you know what I mean? And they want to charge you like thousands of mm -hmm. dollars. Like I think, I think wow. that's like slightly unethical, which is like why I make my apprenticeship very affordable. You know, find people that are doing workshops and doing apprenticeships for like an amount of money you feel is reasonable you know where you de definitely should pay for your food if you want to do definitely should pay if they're lodging you and you definitely something for the instruction because that's like my time or it's their their time that's and energy valuable. teaching you mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be outrageous you know um I agree. yeah but like right. we found these people sarah rob and mary house find people that resonate with you that you feel like you're on their level learn from them and uh get a little bit of hand experience and then see where you want to go from there um that's the start with articles start with a website start with blog posts watch videos and then get in there and search find out what's what's around you and find out who to go learn right. from that's what
but I would, yeah, yeah. Good advice. Yeah, that's great advice. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and keep an open mind because something that seems not doable to you, like when you get in there and do it, it might, you might like it, you know, like just keep an open mind about the experience. You know, don't close yourself off to, to things just because the way somebody looks, where they sound, or what the website looks like, or whatever. Because you know, just go find out what they're doing. Yeah, that's what Absolutely. I would. That's what I would. I was. Yeah, yeah. And what's the what's the name of your YouTube channel? It's just my name, Kristen Crash. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Easy we're just about uh, running on to an hour here, so that's about time for us to say goodbye. Okay. Uh, thanks for coming awesome. on the show, Kristen. It was extremely fascinating. Uh, everything you talked about, I had this visual painting going on in my head the whole time. Like I could visualize the whole scene from D.C. to Ecuador and the property, so that was really cool. And uh, your website, again, is sdvforest.com, so listeners, go check it out. Yeah, uh, you can always yeah, stop by offgridagorist.com with any questions uh, you have about what happened. And maybe we'll have you back because I feel like there's so much more to dive into. <laughs> okay, awesome. I feel like we could make five podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> All right, y'all have a, have a fabulous day, guys. Okay, Talk to y'all later. thanks, John. Okay, oh, bye. 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 Ciao. <laughs>